Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Outside the Walls podcast. My name is John White. I'm Steve Reeves. And I'm Casey McDonald. We're really glad you guys have joined us for today, and we're very excited for this very first episode of West Side's podcast. Uh, we're excited for a new format, a new place to kind of talk about the Bible and talk about mm-hmm. uh, our world and our culture and just kind of how Christianity fits into all that. Yeah. So absolutely, um, very grateful for the conversation we're going to have today. We're going to be talking about digital, a digital mission field. Ooh. Exactly. Ooh. And uh, we, we kind of are interested in uh, how video and, and, this, and this pandemic has changed the way churches approach uh, their, their sort of digital existence, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of churches have, have spent more time thinking and, and working through what that looks like, some out of necessity. But uh, I, I guarantee you most churches are now also starting to think, well, how could we use this? to advance the gospel. So we wanted to have a conversation kind of around that idea today uh, and give everybody a chance to maybe hear some thoughts and comments on how we how we navigate that. But uh, Steve, you had our, our first uh, scripture for today that we wanted to look at, so why don't you take us into that? All right. Well, thank you, John. I'm really excited about this podcast and just the opportunity to be with you guys and to uh, talk about some of these really important issues. Uh, We're going to start out today over in Romans chapter 10 and uh, verse uh, 14. Uh, Paul had been talking about the importance of, of faith. Of course, the theme of the book of Romans really is the just shall live by faith. And here in Romans 10, he talked about the importance of belief and about confession. But then he makes this statement. He says, how shall they confess him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe him whom they have not heard? And how they how shall they hear unless one preaches to them? And how shall one preach unless he is sent? And then Paul goes on to say, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, this lets us know something about the transference of our faith. It is not done through some miraculous process. Rather, it is something that takes place as we share it with others. And uh, the gospel can be shared in so many different ways. Now, we're obviously talking today about some of the uh, uh, technical uh, tools that are now available to us that we want to make use of in sharing the gospel. But uh, it it certainly is not limited to that, whether it's in our day-to-day lives, whether it's through uh, Bible class, whether it's through uh, sermon, whatever it may be. The gospel can be transferred in a number of different ways. And so, guys, I I just wanted to throw out my first question is that uh, what are are some of the more traditional ways that we have relied upon in the past to share these glad tidings of good things? What are some things that come to your mind that have been more traditional in in terms of what we have done in the past? Well, I think— you know, whenever we think about a mission field, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is a is a physical geographical location. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times whenever I think about 
evangelism, we think about, uh, you know, having a missionary in a certain place uh, to say a certain thing. Or if we're talking about just local community missions, uh, you know, going out and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether it be interacting with somebody at our kid's school or, um, you know, somebody in the grocery store, uh, somebody in uh, local sports or, you know, whatever club it might be, uh, you know, a a person in a place kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of expounding upon that, historically, there's been a lot of different methods that we've used. I mean, Steve, I'm sure you remember some of the uh, the gospel tent meetings, mm-hmm. uh, revival meetings where uh, people would come together. But, you know, that that historically is, has proven to be a great way to share the gospel with a lot of people. And, um, you know, door knocking comes to mind as yep. well uh, right. as a, as a right. way that – we we sometimes try to share the gospel and get out into our communities and get to know people and certainly these have all had their place yeah. throughout time. Um, and and, they, and they, ha- they really have. I, uh, I can remember from my uh, early uh, years, even as a teenager, uh, it, it was a big thing for churches to have what we would call gospel meetings that would go on for a week. Uh, later, they were kind of reduced down to three days. And, uh, you know, you just don't find many uh, meetings like that anymore. In my uh, early years of preaching, uh, I did a lot of preaching and gospel meetings. Normally would do three or four a year sometimes. And uh, But uh, I, I think as society has become so much busier and uh, we have been uh, found ourselves and our attention uh, uh, turned to other things, that that format doesn't seem to be as effective nowadays mm-hmm. uh, as it as it was then. At least it's not as utilized as much. Maybe that's a better way of phrasing that. So, um, well, what are some uh, what are some things that you think of when it comes to personal sharing of your faith uh, in terms of today in today's world? What are some of the things that help you to personally share your faith with others? Any ideas uh, along those lines? What are some some things that you find helpful? Well, one thing that's come about in my life in the last uh, you know fifteen years, I guess, uh, is social media, and mm. there's a lot of noise, a lot of clutter out there, <clears throat> and. I mostly try to uh, put what's positive out there, yes. uh, you know, whether that's uh, an encouraging word or uh, even a short scripture, uh, something along those lines, uh, sharing it through that means. But also just how we interact with people. You know, if there's a terrible server at a restaurant or something, you know, treat them with kindness and uh, try and be the aroma of Christ in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 to me is immediately what stands out is it's become much more personal. You know, it's it's the kind of big group gathering things mm-hmm. to me have fallen off in their effectiveness like you said, Steve, but it's become more about just these smaller interactions with people and so I'm, you know, I think about interactions with people who I'm I cross paths with in a lot of other non-church circles. You know, my kids go to public mm-hmm. school and we interact with neighbors and friends and and people that are not um, are not Christians or are not uh, you know aware of the church and and that's kind of where I start to see opportunity in sharing is 
in the ways that I interact with them? You know, do, mm-hmm. do they start to see something different? Kind of like you said, Casey, that do they see something different about me and using that as sort of a gateway to, to get to talk to people about Christ? I mean, that's it's become much more social, mm-hmm. um, not just because of the social media, but also just the nature of life now. Um, right. We tend to we tend to want to hear things from people that we know or that yeah. at least have some relationship mm-hmm. with as opposed to being interested in going to something where, where it's like a big meeting and this is kind of the purpose and, well, well I'm sure. curious, let me right. show up. Sure. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think I think one of the things we have difficulty uh, sometimes differentiating is the difference between the message and the method. Uh, the message doesn't change. Paul specifically gives us the message in Romans 10. However, the method whereby we transmit that message has changed and does change. Uh, and that's always been the case. That's not just a recent phenomenon. Uh, it changed with the inventing of the printing press. It obviously changed with um, things such as uh, the, the construction of large auditoriums with PA systems mm-hmm. that enabled those large gatherings that some of us can remember from our early years. And uh, so now as we're looking at the... Uh, continued advent of technology and uh, social media. Obviously, this is a tool that can be utilized. Mm-hmm. Now, Casey, you're going you're gonna to talk a little bit about uh, an individual in Scripture who was sharing his faith in a very personal way. Tell mm-hmm. us about, tell us about well, that. I, I did have a question for you, Steve, just oh, along, sure. that, along that lines. Um, there's often this, this fear that we have that somehow – shifts and changes in culture change the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard that said before, you know, this idea that the, the gospel doesn't change. You know, the, the, we can't allow culture to start shifting um, what we believe and, and what we think. And can you speak a little bit to, uh, as someone who's seen a fair amount of change over your lifetime, and, and especially being a preacher for so long, speak to the idea of people being afraid of new things and and thinking, well, this is starting to change the message of the gospel, when in reality what we're talking about is a change in culture or a change in methodology is what you kind of mentioned. Yes. When um, uh, early, earlier on, uh, I, I guess probably back when I was in my 30s, I had the opportunity of meeting and actually working with a man named Jewel Miller, uh, now, if you've been a part of the Church of Christ for any period of time, you've probably heard of what we called the Jewel Miller film strips. And uh, Jewel was just a precious man. He and, and his wife, Judy, were such sweet people. And uh, But I remember Jewel telling me that when he first came up with the idea of putting together a presentation of the gospel on a film strip and showing that by means of a film strip projector, and this was back in the 1950s, he said there were people that just thought that he was loony as a bird. You know, they just, <laughs> really? they, they just, they said this, this doesn't sound right, you know, because it had not been used before, but. By the time I came along, you know, 30, 40 years later, 
they were the Jill Miller film strips were something that nearly every church had several <laughs> copies sitting around somewhere, and then they were later transferred over to DVD. And uh, so, so you know, I think that's kind of an illustration of how we tend to look with suspicion upon new methodology. Um, but but the important thing for us to remember is the basic traits of God do not change, and the basic needs of humanity do not change. Our need is still for salvation. As advanced as society may seem to become, we are still sinners, Mm -hmm. and we are still in need of redemption. God is still a God who loves us. He is still a just God, but thankfully, he is also a God of grace and mercy who extends that to us through his son, Jesus. And that's the message, and that must always be our message, however we choose to transmit it. So uh, that's that's just some of the things that I've seen, John. Yeah, that, that to me, I, thank you. That was a perfect answer to that, because I, now I think of Jewel Miller film, film strips. I've... I, I can confess I've never actually seen one. Uh, <laughs> I know we have some. Uh, maybe we should go digging around in the archives and find it. Well, a, let, let a, me. A film projector still here. <laughs> let me tell you that they they are excellent. They really are. And and for someone who doesn't have a um, any kind of biblical background, I think they are still just a, a really really good basic way to just kind of introduce the Bible. Yeah. It's just interesting to me to think of because now when I hear them, it's always in reference to something that we used to do so long yeah. ago. And then, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like, but at one time, he was, he was the frontier, you know. He, he was, really was. He yeah. was like, let's yeah. do something and new. Not everybody yeah. agreed with it. Yeah, because <laughs> that is interesting that it's kind of the catalyst to technology and ministry uh, as the way that we know it now. You know, thinking, thinking back on that and that kind of being the first thing that was used audiovisually to yeah. present the gospel yeah, really. and where it's come to now, you know, video production and, yeah. uh, you know, PowerPoints in the background with, uh, you know, loop videos and all that stuff that yes. we incorporate into our worship and teaching. But yeah, so the next thought that we had was from Acts 8. So in Acts 8, there's this story of this man who is traveling back to his homeland in Egypt from Jerusalem. He had come there, uh, and he was a high official, and there's this Christian named Philip that the Spirit had told to catch him on the road. And so just wanted to take some time and, and read the verses to this story, and then uh, we'll kind of hash it out. So in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? 
and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And so I want to pause right there and think about the, the way that Philip approached him. And so that's kind of where we want to take our discussion next. And it's interesting that as the eunuch was traveling back, he was traveling on this chariot. And one thing that I guess has not changed for thousands of years is wheels. <laughs> they used to get around on wheels the same way we get around on wheels. And so you could think of it in a, as a modern day car kind of thing, you know, how, how we might be able to reach somebody. And, He's sitting and in his travel. car reading yeah. the Bible. Yeah, sitting in their car. And so as the eunuch is traveling back, uh, I wanted to ask this question. How can we most effectively and efficiently help people understand where they are? Because as we see in the story here that as Philip approached him, he asks him, what are you reading? And he sees where he's reading in the scriptures. And so how can we most effectively and efficiently help people understand where they are, not only geographically, you know, as um, helping someone geographically where they are, but helping people where they are spiritually, uh, as as Philip did. And so, what what are some modern ways that we can most effectively and efficiently help people where they are geographically and spiritually? You know, you you said what are some ways modernly, but I I think just looking at this ancient story helps us understand this question, like. He, he met him where he was. He understood where he was, and, and it wasn't about, um, you know, bringing something new into his life. It was about working with exactly where he was at, come to his place, come to his realm, what he knew, and uh, moving from there into the rest of the story. Um, and so I think about a lot of times our, our biggest limitation is our inability to just meet people where they are, to accept people as the, the same as we would accept each other as broken as sometimes not making the greatest choices. And it's very difficult, I think, um, to just sort of walk into that and not be ready to, to want to address all that right at the get go, but to, to say like, okay, well, this is where you are. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Let's start with this. Mm-hmm. Let's start with what we know. Right. Um, and just be a good influence and be kind and, and helpful in every way that we can mm-hmm. instead of coming in and, and going, well, let me tell you all that you need to know. Let me fix exactly. everything that's yeah. wrong with you. Let me, mm-hmm. you know, that sometimes that can be the reaction because we're so excited about the the value and the love that the story of Christ brings to our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But certainly yeah. Philip just meeting him, what are you reading? Well, let me explain mm-hmm. this. Let's talk about yeah. this, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing that we often lack today is the ability to really listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are so uh, eager to share what we know, what we think. Hmm. And sometimes in our eagerness, we don't take time to really listen to what the other person is saying. And as a result, when we don't listen, John, 
we don't really know where the other person is mm. uh, in their spiritual life, mm. and we don't know necessarily uh, uh, how we should approach uh, that individual. I remember hearing a story years ago about uh, this man out on the West Coast. Uh, he asked this young lady, he said, uh, would you like to study the Bible? She said, sure. And so he sat down and he opened his Bible and he began teaching her about baptism. Now, obviously, a very important Bible subject and a very critical subject. But after he had shared several passages with her and talked to her about baptism, he said, uh, so what do you think? And she said, well, that's very interesting. But she said, I, I, I have a question. Is there a God? Hmm. <laughs> she needed some preliminary yeah, questions. A different starting yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. he was he was starting mm-hmm. where he was, and that is not at all where she was. But he didn't take time on the front end mm-hmm. to really listen. And I find it helpful when I'm talking to someone. I like to just ask some probing questions and then just be quiet and listen to what they have to say, because that gives you as an individual a much better uh, uh, perspective Mm -hmm. on what they need to hear. And that's what, when Philip heard the eunuch uh, say uh, what he was reading, and Philip said, well, do you understand it? Well, well, no, How, how can I unless somebody teaches me? Philip understood this man was ready to be taught. Yeah. Because he started with a question, and you know, mm-hmm. ask, knowing what questions to ask is, I think, is a very important exactly. thing as we Extremely figure important. out how to most effectively and efficiently. Something that stands out to me, and in thinking about this realm of digital mission fields in this story, is how can we help people geographically? And a, maybe a different way to ask that would be how can we help people where they are digitally. And because as I think about a a mission field, uh, the mission field for the everyday Christian has broadened exponentially with Mm. the Internet. And as Philip was guided by the Spirit to catch up to this chariot and he heard him reading Isaiah, we can catch up to the chariot, so to speak, uh, you know, wherever we are in the world. And so helping somebody geographically or digitally where they are uh, is is so much more accessible with all the digital platforms exactly. that we have. Yeah, and I, that you say that, and I immediately think of, uh, of Arian, our missionary, mm-hmm. um, who joins us for coffee time every Monday morning, but ironically – He's not joining us for coffee. He's usually drinking a Dr. Right. Pepper because it's like 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah. you right. know? So it's like, but it doesn't matter because we speak the same language and it doesn't matter location wise where yeah. we are because he can find value in, in having that, joining that conversation with us, even though we're miles and miles mm-hmm. apart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what are some practical ways to connect with those who are spiritually seeking? I mean, we see that obviously the eunuch here is spiritually seeking. He's coming from a worship assembly uh, in Jerusalem and traveling home. And so Philip approaches him. He hears him reading from Isaiah. And so that made me ask the question, what are some practical ways that we can connect with those who we come in contact with, whether it's you know in our local communities, uh, physically, geographically speaking, or whether it's 
in the realm of uh, social media or um, email, some something along those lines? What are some practical ways we can connect with those who are spiritually seeking? Well, I think there are obviously a lot of forums that are available to us on the uh, on the internet and through social media. People who are interested in spiritual uh, discussions. And, uh, you know, it would be helpful to, uh, to get involved perhaps with some of those forums of individuals who are discussing mm-hmm. Bible uh, matters. And uh, don't be afraid to interject your thoughts. Uh, none of us knows everything about the Bible. There's always, always going to be things to, uh, to learn and to grow. And uh, don't allow yourself to be intimidated because you feel like you may not know as much as someone else. Um, there are things you know that they don't know. So I, I would definitely explore forums uh, where people who are interested in spiritual things can be found. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's even true in terms of a small group Bible studies. Maybe there's a small group where you work who meets together during a break time uh, who is studying the Bible. Or, uh, you know, it may be a group of mothers who have small children who get together and uh, have a time of of Bible study, Mm -hmm. a a group of businessmen who meet together for lunch and talk about the Bible. I mean, there are just numerous opportunities that are out there. If we'll just be a little bit attentive, I think we can find these things. Yeah, and I, and, if, and if they don't exist, we can also create them. You know, they're, they're, all of our groups, the way we meet together and spend time together, those are all opportunities. I mean, those are opportunities yeah. to start to inject a little bit of that into it and say, well, why don't we get together and at least encourage each other if we're all kind of on the same page, but kind of injecting our thoughts. Yeah. I think of the inverse of that, Steve, because, you know, what, what does Paul do when he's ready to, to, to reach a new town, right? He goes to the marketplace. He goes somewhere where everybody already is. And sort of stands up and takes that and, and begins yeah. to, to preach and say it. And so, you know, maybe we have to look at what is the modern day marketplace. It's not a it's mm-hmm. it maybe not a, an actual market. Right. Uh, and even if there were an actual like a farmer's market or something that that might be kind of not the best way to go about okay. uh, introducing the gospel. But we also have uh, all of these these digital markets. You know, we have mm-hmm. these these online places that. If, if I'm going to have a social media platform, if I'm going to be on those and have those accounts um, that I'm using that to as, as the market and being like Paul and, and introducing that, making sure that what I say and what I do and, and the way that I interact with that has that with mindset, you know, mm-hmm. how can I use this uh, to begin to, to speak about the gospel and about Jesus and, and possibly open a door? Because you never know. You say something and... Somebody reaches out. I saw, I saw what you said on yeah. on Facebook or on, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram or whatever it is that you use. You know, you're, I saw what you said, and and I want to know more about that. The other way that I think about that too is maybe you're not super comfortable with that for whatever reason. You feel like I don't have anything to add to the gospel, or I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have anything profound to say about that. But like we kind of mentioned, more and more churches are making this type of content. They're starting to put this stuff out. And so you can help those causes by simply sharing and introducing those things to the people that are within your network of friends. You know, Taking those things and and sharing, liking, and interacting with them um, has a literal effect on its ability to be shared 
you know, throughout those those yeah. channels. Yeah. Well, and I mean, a, a good case in point would be this podcast. Right. Uh, you know, we encourage people uh, share share this on your page uh, with your friends mm-hmm. and uh, encourage those friends. Share it with others. And that way we go from being in a studio with here four people, including our producer, Mark, uh, to, uh, you know, those who initially see it and then pass it along to others and then on and so forth. Yeah. And I think that might be one of the biggest obstacles with people in sharing the gospel is I don't have anything new to add, like mm-hmm. you said. And so maybe being hesitant to introduce somebody or ask somebody a question when really it could be as easy as sharing a link to uh, a Bible passage mm-hmm. or sharing a link to you know something spiritually edifying. And then next time you see that person or interact with them, just ask a basic question. What did you think about that? And because uh, that's essentially what Philip is doing here, like he he sees what he's reading. Now Philip didn't send him a text with his passage to Isaiah, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he right. he knew hey. what he was currently looking at and and trying to learn from and asked him about that. And so, uh, if you don't know where to start, maybe sharing something with somebody and then just asking the simple question, "What do you think about that?" and mm-hmm. let that be the the startup to your conversation. But something else that I found interesting about this story is that. The eunuch is on his way back from Jerusalem where he was worshiping, you know, kind of tying back into a question that you asked us, Steve, what are some uh, traditional ways that we've kind of tried to be evangelistic? And one of those ways is inviting people to our worship service. But Philip didn't do that. This guy was actually leaving Jerusalem, going back home, and and Philip does this, and so uh, you know meeting meeting him where he was and trying to feed him where he was, and uh, and realizing that evangelism wasn't necessarily tied to a worship service, but evangelism was out on the road. Evangelism was in this guy's chariot. <laughs> it yeah. could be in someone's car, and so uh, if you hear something uh, and sharing it, and then asking them, "What do you think?" Uh, is a great way. You know, when I look at Philip, I think of three words. Uh, The first one is available. Philip made himself available Mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit. And if we will do that, God will use us. There's no doubt. Philip made himself available. Secondly, he was adaptable. He was able to look at a situation, size it up, and adapt mm-hmm. himself to where that man was and yeah. what he needed. And then third, he was applicable in that he started where the man was and he preached to him Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he applied the truth mm-hmm. of the gospel to this yeah. man's life. Yeah, And, you know— Starting where they are and not being afraid to ask questions, that's a that's a challenge point that I wanted to leave with the viewers before we go on to our to our next point, and that is let the Bible speak. I mean, Philip, he doesn't try to add anything new. Exactly. He just simply asks what he's reading. Mm-hmm. And so he starts where the guy is and lets the Bible speak where the Bible speaks and lets the Word of God work. And then he just simply asks the question. So don't be afraid to ask someone a question. And Mm. I think that might, at least in my life, that's been a huge roadblock in evangelism is being afraid of questions or being afraid of what people might ask and not knowing the answer. But Philip does a great job of illustrating that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to let people ask you questions. And so that's a challenge point. 
courageously let the Bible speak and be willing to ask questions and be asked questions. And a second point, uh, challenge point, is start where people are, not where you think they should start. Uh, and I right. think Steve illustrated that beautifully. And so start where people are, not where you think they should start. Yeah, we're afraid to not know the answer, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're deeply afraid <laughs> yes. to not to, to be asked a question and not know the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah for but, sure. you know, if you have kids, you constantly get asked questions with you're like, oh, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> how do they make the spaceship, Dad? I don't know. I don't know what it's made out of. Well, I, I had something I wanted to share as well. Uh, this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I think it's very relevant to this conversation about a digital frontier. Okay, listen to what Paul has to say. Um, we're going to start in verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And as I, as I kind of think about this, like Paul's situation is very unique. Uh, a Jew raised as a Roman citizen um, under Roman rule. And you talk about a, a place where there is a clash of cultures. Jerusalem was a place that had a lot of, you know, this mixing of, of cultures. And, and he kind of makes this statement like there's a lot of different things going on here. And there's a lot of different people with a lot of different viewpoints. And he's kind of struggling to work through all of that. And, of course, if you if you read through a lot of his epistles, you know, he, he starts to talk about the clash that happened once Christianity arrived on the scene and you have these previously Jewish people now professing Christ and becoming faithful to Christ. And then you have also the Gentile who has no Jewish background, has no, you know, background with God at all. Right. And now suddenly being injected into this picture for the first time. Mm -hmm. And they certainly did not get along. Uh, they had a lot of different viewpoints into how they should do things and what was right. And a lot of it stems from uh, the Jews holding to very ancient traditions, things that they they grew up, that they learned, that they knew, that they did, and now suddenly, you know, are not necessarily irrelevant, but are no longer binding. <clears throat> and Paul makes this statement within that context of saying, you know, I become what I need to be that's relevant to the person that I'm with, mm -hmm. right? But I, mm -hmm. I don't hold to being just one thing because I want for all to know Christ. And so if that means I'm with a Jew, I'm going to show respect for the law and for those traditions. And I'm going to, to try to, you know, to work within that system to help them understand Christ. But if I'm talking to someone who's Greek, I'm not bringing Jewish traditions to this. I'm not bringing this, this ancient past to be a part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so my, my only question from all of this is we kind of think about Paul's mentality of, this needs to change and, and adapt to the, the situation, to the, to the environment, to the people, to wherever that gospel exists. It's got, it's got to change to, to match that and the way we present it. My question is, what are the things that we hold on to 
that no longer that that maybe are hindering us or are not serving us well within a digital frontier. I mean, when we think about this new environment and all these new things that we're having to do, what are maybe some things that we hold on to that we've got to start to slowly let go of, just like the Jews had to slowly start to let go of these ancient laws that were no longer binding and they couldn't force, you know, these these Gentiles to do. Mm-hmm. And that's eventually what Paul has to say is like we, we can't can't force them to be that, right? Mm-hmm. So what do we hold on to that's that's no longer serving us? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a good question, <clears throat> John. Because uh, I think we all uh, have what we might refer to as sacred cows Hmm. that we have. uh, It it may be, uh, you know, uh, habits or even human traditions that we have been a part of for so many years uh, that uh, uh, have changed. And it's hard for us sometimes to let those things go in favor of something that might work um, even even better. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it might be something as simple as uh, uh, a format uh, for a, a worship service or a Bible class. <laughs> I heard about a, a church up in northeast Arkansas years ago that uh, – they were in the habit of, uh, of singing several songs, and then they would uh, stand and pray. And this guest speaker came in and asked the song leader if he would ask everyone to stand for the song before the prayer. Well, they'd never done that before. And so w- when they got to that song and he said, stand, the people kind of looked at each other like, well, we don't do that. <laughs> and half of the crowd stood, and the other half remained seated, and the other half uh, re- re- that was seated said, oh, we need to stand. And the half that stood said, maybe we need to sit down. So they changed places, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was something so foreign to them. Now, that's that's just one illustration. Uh, but it, it may be that as we look at even things such as our meeting times, uh, what, what time works best with the people we are trying to uh, serve in our community – or the use of our buildings, uh, what we do in the usage of our buildings. Maybe maybe we think of some things outside the box, so to speak, in ways to reach people. And we get away from just a traditional opening the doors three times or four times a week. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – the I don't know if you would say it is a tradition, but just kind of the physicality of uh, our worship, of our evangelism, <clears throat> we've seen a change, and uh, especially over the last year. And not not necessarily suggesting this that it's something that we need to abandon, uh, because there is a there is a, an importance of togetherness of fellowship uh, in the scriptures and and our psyches, uh, our emotional development, our relational development, our spiritual development. So there is a great need for that. But I think the last year, if there's anything that it has taught us, and that is that uh, our our spiritual well being is not tied to a certain place. Um, but we can grow spiritually close to God no matter where we are. Um, and that includes on a, you know, on a virtual platform. Uh, you know, I, I've, I can't number the people that I've heard 
been able to come in and experience worship, experience God uh, because of the things that have gone on last year that maybe would have never thought of, you know, darkening the door of a, of a physical church building. Uh, but it's been a way for them to maybe be introduced to it. Uh, and so thinking outside of the box of just our physical uh, in-present worship is is something that I think we've all seen the benefit of. And, um, and again, not to abandon that, but to embrace it as a way to possibly reach the lost um, and reach those who maybe we didn't have an opportunity or a, a leg in the door, so to speak, to, uh, to reach in the past. Well, you know, Paul did not abandon his Jewish heritage. No. Uh, it was something that was always very special to him. You can look at Philippians mm-hmm. uh, chapter 3. Uh, however, he was willing to expand upon that to include the Gentiles. And uh, as a result, God used him to take the gospel to the Gentile world. And in the same way with us, you don't necessarily abandon a tradition just mm-hmm. because it's a tradition. But we have to have the type of mindset that is open and where we're willing to look at opportunities that come our way to expand uh, the the presentation of the message. Yeah. That's kind of where I landed with all this is that a lot of times it's it's not so much – leaving something behind, although sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes you have to make room for something new to come in. But it really, our biggest struggle is with our mentality. Correct. You know, it's, our, it's our attitude. It's our ability to see something new and not immediately reject it just because it is new or because it is foreign to us. Um, and, and being willing to listen to those who it isn't foreign to. And I know that's a struggle sometimes when we hold tight to things that we know and someone else comes along and says, well, what about this? And it's immediately foreign to us and we, we start to distrust what they say instead of saying, well, tell me about that. Tell me about that new thing. Tell me mm-hmm. what's going on. Why, why is this significant to you? And what yeah. I think when you ask that question instead, when you are open to new things and new possibilities, uh, you, you always come out finding more, learning more about it, even if you choose not to go that direction. And so it's inviting, it's welcoming, it's bringing in new thoughts, new ideas, realizing that the gospel has not changed for thousands of years. Yeah. But the way we present it, yeah. Yeah. May, it is, is always adapted and has always changed to fit uh, the new frontiers. And certainly the invention of the Internet and social media within the last uh, – couple decades or so, has brought a new frontier. And now a lot of churches are sort of being pushed onto it because of the pandemic, but are also finding a, a field just white with harvest, ready to yeah. go. Um, yeah. And if we're willing to, to kind of leverage that and act on that, there's no telling how someone might find the gospel today through through these new digital frontiers, through these new things. Yeah, if there's something that's been revealed, and I'm not sure when this came out with uh, the different operating systems on our phones, but uh, you know, Apple has theirs, Google has theirs, but Apple calls theirs FaceTime uh, screen time. And what does Google call theirs? Uh, uh, digital just, well-being. Digital well-being. And so uh, if there's anything that's been brought to light on an individual consumer basis, it's been the data that is seen on <laughs> within your own phone, see how much time you're spending uh, on your device. And so thinking about this digital mission field and, and realizing how much time 
people of the world are spending, whether it's on their phone or on the computer, uh, why not have a as big of a presence there as possible? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing, <clears throat> one thing for sure, guys. Um, uh, Satan wasted no time in harnessing the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, just as soon as the internet became available back in the uh, mid, uh, early to mid 1990s, I mean, Satan took the internet in so many different dark ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we do not, as Christians, as children of light, utilize this tool as uh, effectively as we possibly can, uh, there's no doubt that Satan is going to continue to exploit it to drag down people and condemn them to hell. Mm. For sure. And bringing light to the darkness is part of our job. For sure. Mm -hmm. Shining light in dark places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to close this out today. Um, one thing we would like to do is as we move forward uh, with this podcast, each episode I would like for us to end with a question from you. We don't have one today, so we'll just close things out with a prayer. Steve, if you'll lead us that in just a moment. But if you would like to submit a question, you'd like for us just to freely talk about any question you have concerning life, uh, God, faith, anything to do with our world, our culture, please, we would love for you to submit those questions. You can send that in through any of our social media channels, or if you're familiar with email, send uh, your questions to questions at wschurch.net. There's uh, a special email account we have set up for that, so you can send us your questions, and uh, at the end of each episode, we'll tackle one question uh, that we pick out and uh, kind of see see what you guys think about that. But uh, if you don't mind, Steve, close us out. This has been John White. I'm Casey McDonald. Steve Reeves. And this is Outside the Walls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to connect with individuals today through this podcast. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessings of the modern technology where we have this means. We realize, Father, that though our technology is modern, that the message we preach is ancient and yet still very relevant, for we seek to preach Jesus Christ crucified and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll help us as we deal with the changing climate and the changing dynamics of the world in which we live. Help us, Father, to have your wisdom And help us, Lord, to reach out to others on a daily basis. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we hope that you guys are doing well. And uh, I guess we'll sign off with uh, we love you. Love you guys. Bye.